2022, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is Success Never Sleeps, where we as a collective of martial arts school owners, small business owners, entrepreneurs, we ask the real questions to help us create our version of success. Disruption is really cool for me. I dig disruption because it says we can do anything we want. I mean, isn't that why you're an entrepreneur? Isn't that why you're in business? And we're looking for new and unique and creative ways to communicate our culture and our why and our purpose. All the possibilities open up. Cool. And before I bring on my special guest for today, we're going to go through a little bit of maintenance. First of all, I want to thank my sponsors. As you see, my sponsor right there, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Um, we have my studio. We have Market Muscles, we have LC Accounting, and we have Kids Love Life Skills. For me, simply the best in the industry. You know, I'm very passionate about working with people I love, people that I care about, people that resonate with me at a heart level. And that's so important for me because I want to make sure that the quality of my life is something I can look forward to on a daily basis. And I think we're really learning that about life is that just because you believe that person might be able to get you from A to B, that if it isn't a quality relationship, it's not something you want to invest in. So all of these, these brands that I'm showing you here, Kids Love Life Skills, My Studio, Market Muscles, and LC Accounting, quality people doing quality things, but more importantly, doing it based upon values, values and a very clear skill set. Cool? I want to congratulate the disruptors. We are at 1,800 strong. Did I say that? 1,800 strong? We are at 1,800 strong. And it is a unique group. Again, martial arts school owners, entrepreneurs, we really get in there. And for us, it's, it's, it's about not trying to change the industry. It's not about trying to fix the industry. It's really about building something new. And that's what I'm passionate about. And I believe I'm often very misinterpreted is people think I'm critical of the way people do business in our industry. I am not. I am not. I'm about creating something new. And that new and beautiful way is really what I'm after. I want to spend my time, my energy, my words, uh, the content I create about creating something new. So when people fall back on that and simply say, Brandon's critical of our industry, he's not helping, he's not fixing anything. I don't want to help. I don't want to fix anything. Again, I want to cultivate something new. Cool, cool, cool. And I'm very, very proud of that. All right. What else do we got going on? So many great things. I've got It's Time Live Believe coming up. Believe coming up. It is a four-day retreat. It's something I highly recommend you spend time with me. Why? Because at this event, it's not only for the small business owner setting up your company for success budget-wise, financially, vision-wise. It's also for the martial arts school owner that wants to develop curriculum, staff training, branding, culture, core values, social media. It encompasses all the different hats you have to wear. But what I'm most proud of is the personal development that we go through in that four-day retreat. Silent meditations right? Outdoor experiences of mind mapping, of breakthroughs, all the different things I believe we suffer from as human beings as to why we're not able to create our version of success. That's it. That's it. Because there's a lot of great information in our industry, lots of great information. What I think we really suffer from as a whole is our mindset, getting our mind in the game. So it's a balance of all of that. And if you'd like to spend time making new friends, lifelong friends, 
great meals together outside, you know, workshops and experiences. You want to invest in yourself and it's time live believe the four day experience. We're doing it this time during the summer so we can do more outdoor experiences, maybe drive a little further, cultivate a different experience. And that's what I love about it. We normally do one in the in, in uh, during the spring and one in the fall. And the weather is a little shaky, but during the summer in August, ooh, it's going to be something unique, special, and different. And that is part of my goal. I want to congratulate some of the people I work with. Believe Martial Arts just hit 440 people. Uplift Martial Arts just hit 200. And Inspire Martial Arts just hit, I mean, Uplift hit 400 and Inspire just hit 200. That's pretty cool. That's really, really cool. And all these schools are that I've worked with and rebranded. I rebranded Believe Martial Arts in Germany. And he's been one of my, God, one of my mentees for years. Uplift Martial Arts, David and Anna Marie Jung, we rebranded them to Uplift Martial Arts. And this to me is the, is, is the power of a rebrand. And Chris Gehring, he's never had 200 students. So he's in a really great place. And I'm really grateful to facilitate that. Wisdom. You want to be part of something unique? I'm in the middle of my wisdom experience now. It's a very intensive one-on-one mentoring. We speak daily. We text daily. We meet once a week. We work on all aspects of your business. It is a major investment, but I'm tired of seeing the 99% stay as the 99% stuck at 100 students day in and day out, year after year, decade after decade. That's got to stop. So if you want to make a heavy investment, the best investment possible, I want to have Brandon Bleasel in your back pocket, in your back pocket, scan that QR code in the corner. Cool, cool, cool. And then of course, numbers don't lie. Let me see if I can get out of the way of that. Numbers don't lie. And, you know, Mike McCarowicz, who wrote Profit First, sent me his book. And and he sent me a, a wonderful um, little sign to hang up on the wall. And you know what it said? Trust wallets, not words. There, There is a lot of that at social media. We know that. People claiming to be social media gurus and this consultant, that consultant. You got to show me your freaking numbers. For many years, I kept my tax returns on my computer and I showed them to people at different events because they said, Bain Brandon, you're full of it. There's no way you could be generating the revenue you generate with no contracts, upgrades, belt fees, retails, phone scripts, everything that, that the industry does, I do the opposite. I'm a service-based business, and that's how I focus. Take a look at our numbers. Tish, give me a quick estimate. If this is the first quarter, and we can use this first quarter for what we're going to do this year in our business, can you tell me what we're going to make this year? What are we going to gross this year by the end of December? Can you put that in there, please? Put that in there for me. And I'm proud of these numbers, right? What I was sharing with the school owner the other day is we're posting these numbers without birthday parties, without parents' night outs, without a lot of community events because of the pandemic and the way the situation has been. This is done without Facebook ads. This is done with a great reputation, investing heavily into my team, investing heavily into our curriculum, always teaching better classes, always improving our services, always working on our culture. And these are the results. Take a look. I mean, that's pretty amazing for one location. Millbury did 114,000 this month and San Francisco did 75. Millbury, some of it's after school, huge part of it. We charge $762 a month for our after school program. And it's also because we're getting early registration for camps. But make no mistake, those numbers combined, because you know we are one, we're not two schools. I think we're one. I mean, that's 190. What is that? No, 189,000. I mean, that's crazy, right? So Tish, what are we projected to do this year? Do you know? 
put it in there. Put in the comments for me. All right. So what is today all about? Today is something really special. Today is all about insurance. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I've spoken to so many school owners who have no insurance. I'm going to tell you, that is something I don't recommend at all. You know, I don't know who you're talking to or, or, or what those discussions are about, but there's no freaking way you should be moving without insurance. Classic example, a kid broke a mirror last week. Now, it may not be a big deal. The mirror, the best bid I got is about 1500 But the risk is the mirrors on each side could potentially get broken when they're removing this mirror. Okay, so should I file a claim? Well, either way, I've got insurance. So whether I decide to pay the $1,000 deductible, right, and then pay the rest, I think we need to dispel that myth that I don't want to you know, drive up my premiums. I don't want to drive them up. It can happen if you file too many claims. But the peace of mind, when this kid broke the mirror, I looked at him and said, it's okay, buddy, are you all right? Because I knew with all peace, I've got Beth Block working with me. And Beth Block does all of the insurances for my schools now. I'm grateful to have Beth with us. And you know, so have those questions, start putting them in. Everything today is about insurance. But the big thing I want to dispel, those of you who believe insurance is not something you need, you need to get that out, out of your head right now. Right now, you need to get it out because I'm telling you, it's something that you absolutely need. You got it? All right, let me see if I can get Beth in here. Uh, let me know, Marco, we can see Beth because, you know, I don't often have guests and I want to make sure that we can see Beth really, really well. We're in gallery view. Let me ask Beth. Come on to camera, Beth. Can we, can we get you there? All right. Can you hear me, Beth? I can hear you. Yay. There you are. There you are. So everybody give Beth a big hand and say, welcome, Beth. Yay. Welcome to the show, ma'am. So the first thing I'd love you to do is just give us a quick background, how long you've been in insurance. I know you're a black belt. You know, the kinship of martial arts is always a great uh, icebreaker. So let them know a little about you as a martial artist, uh, how long you've been doing insurance and why this is your purpose. Fabulous. I have been doing insurance since 1987. That might give you a little idea how old I am. Um, and we began specializing in childcare because our son had to go to childcare. We began working with youth-facing organizations when we did that. And in January of 2001, I stepped onto a mat for the very first time ever. I fell in love with martial arts, changed my life. The studio where I train does offer summer camp. They do offer after school. So I saw as I watched an awful lot of similarities, not that after school is childcare, but you still are serving youth. You're transporting youth in many cases. So I approached my Shihan and just talked about the issues with transporting kids from a risk management perspective. About a year later, he asked for a quote, my very first martial arts client ever. I'm proud to say I serve a fair number of people today and that is a sincere honor to me. I want to give back to the industry that's given me so much. And my purpose is to protect you. I know that I'm not going to be anywhere near as terrific at protecting if a punch is being thrown at you, literally. But that legal punch, that punch of the broken mirror, your studio closed down, 
that's what I'm looking to protect you against. Beth, would you agree with me that there's a lot of martial arts school owners out there that are not insured at all or insured inadequately? From my unscientific methods, I would tell you probably 70% of the studio owners I've spoken to fall into that category. And why do you think that is? Is it simply the lack of education or information, or is it just brazen behavior? Because I don't get it. Is it that um, they, it's a low priority? I mean, what causes that? So there's several things involved with that. The first thing is insurance is not a feel-good purchase. I cannot tell you anybody wakes up in the morning saying, I can't wait to go buy insurance. It just doesn't happen. Um, I think the second reason is a lack of education. When I first started serving this industry, I discovered 99% of the studio owners had no idea what insurance would do. They were looking for a piece of paper to satisfy their landlord so that they could get into the space and start teaching. That's what they understand. And that's what you need to understand. If you're gonna teach me a technique, I want you to understand that technique. As a trusted advisor or whatever trusted advisor you have, you need them to explain insurance to you. And then the last thing that I see, well, now I'm going to back up. There's also, when you don't understand it, you tend to make decisions based on price only. And price is important, but so is protection. And then the last thing I see, as I talk to studio owners, I hear often that would never happen to me. I don't know. None of it, and none of it when the day done when the day is done is a good enough reason not to have insurance. I know we, we often feel that out of sight, out of mind, right? I'm paying for all this money in insurance and I haven't used it in a decade. Well, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. I mean, I have medical insurance for my family, which you know we probably use once a year for a checkup, and it's costly. I understand it, but the peace of mind, when we really discuss that peace of mind and prioritizing what is important when it comes to your martial arts business, you know, never say never, people. Never say never. So that's one of the first questions, Beth, that I get asked a lot. What insurance policies is a must? Absolute minimal, bare bones, that a martial arts school needs to have? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's hard for me to prioritize, which is why I always lay things out with options. And you get to pick what your priority is. But if everybody is renting a space, first and foremost, your landlord's going to require you have liability insurance. And whether you believe anybody will ever sue you or not, the protection is there, and even more important than the protection that you did something wrong because very few people do something wrong, you get a lawyer paid for for you. So somebody comes for you and makes an accusation. Without insurance, you're opening up your checkbook to pay a lawyer to defend you. So liability insurance covers a lawyer fees? Yes, sir. 
Great. And you file that claim. So if you're in a position of being sued, you go to your insurance company, like I would go to Beth and say, hey, we're being sued. I need to secure a lawyer. And you would file a claim. Yes, sir. Excellent. So what else does basic liability cover? Give us some scenarios that we probably don't think about on a daily basis, but could happen and happens probably more often than not. We simply don't get sued. They don't file a report, et cetera, et cetera. The worst claims by and large happen off the floor, not on the floor. Off the floor, in a cold climate, I saw a man take his child to Saturday morning class. There was a patch of ice on the sidewalk in front of the door into the studio. He slipped and fell on the ice. He did not know how to fall properly. He wasn't a student. So he fell with his hands this way, breaking his fall, and he broke his wrists. The sad thing is, he was a neurosurgeon. He was never going to do neurosurgery again. Ouch. That's huge. Million-dollar claim would have been more if they had more insurance. Can he sue for more beyond that million dollars? Sure. And the school owner would have to just take it on the chin and deal with that? So in a case like that, you really want to make sure you've set up the proper legal um, formation, corporation, LLC, one or the two to protect yourself and keep that liability walled off from your personal assets. Yes. And it's an LLC or an S corp or C corp basically sets that up. Yeah. I've witnessed that too. When I speak to a lot of school owners, how did you set this up? I'm a sole proprietor. I said, no, I would encourage at the minimal an LLC S corp C corp, because then that at least protects your personal. Well, I was told no way they could still come sue me and sue me for my personal, for my home and things like that. Can you dispel that myth? That is not true unless you're a professional like an insurance agent or a lawyer or a doctor, because at that point, you're talking about a professional liability. As a martial arts school owner, pretty much the only time I think you would need to worry about that kind of professional liability is if you are taking money from a police department or a United States branch of service and training their personnel for life and death situations. What about, here's a question while I have it. What about, they're teaching out of a park and rec. In addition to the liability insurance, the Philadelphia Recreation Department provides, I also have my own insurance. Is that a good thing? I'm sure it is. He's got double, right? So, because I get that a lot. They're all teaching out of park and recs. So I teach out of a recreational center. In addition to the liability insurance, the Philadelphia Recreation Department provides, I also have my own insurance. Now I understand the question there. This would be instructors versus studios. So instructors that do not yet have their own studio absolutely need their own policy. And that's going to follow them wherever they teach. But at Parks and Recs, 
that's a city, a government organization or the YMCA. I see those as well. They're minimizing their risk because they're not in control of the class you teach. So yes, you need your own insurance. Cool. I do this every year, Beth. I'm always asking Letitia and my accountant, right? Letitia does my bookkeeping with LC Accounting. You know, should we change from an LLC to an S Corp or a C Corp? Just simply because the tax laws change constantly. And is there a more beneficial situation here in California for me to get set up on? So currently we're still an LLC. So can I go to bed at night warm and fuzzy, Beth, that we are okay and they can't touch my house or any of my personal assets? So this is where I'm going to say I'm not a lawyer, okay? Um, absolutely not a lawyer. I will tell you from the insurance perspective, what I have seen is even when a million-dollar limit is burned through or if you've purchased the umbrella for additional limits, I have not ever seen a claim that has successfully reached back to the owner. Awesome. Awesome. So as my insurance agent, you can give me that sound advice. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's why I set up an LLC because I have other assets. And I want to make sure they can't touch it. I even have two different tax IDs for each location. So those two businesses are separate of each other, even though in my tax returns, they all get filed, you know, still. So one school can't affect the other if one school should go under. So that's something you should look at. I know our ego wants to tell us, I've got this corporation with 20 schools under it. I would recommend each one is set up individually as an LLC. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I will tell you from being in business for the better part of 38 years with other businesses beyond martial arts schools, that setting up individual entities is smart business. Would you agree? I would, and actually, you were giving a preview to the post that I was just writing and I will be making later today. The only watch out in doing it that way is get your insurance in place before you start business in that new corporation. Your 90-day automatic general liability coverage for a new venture will not cover a new corporation. Excellent. Excellent. So continuing with that question, you know, what are the must haves? You said liability. What else? Uh, so I would recommend everybody think about what would shut your business down. What could happen that would leave you out of business? Unfortunately, we have all just lived through two years that came close to shutting us down and shut a lot of our peers down. Unfortunately, that was uninsurable. It's a specific exclusion, virus and bacteria and policies. But let's say the wildfires touch you where you are, Professor. Let's say the hurricanes that come through the coastal shut somebody down and you're shut for a year rebuilding. Are you gonna be able to reopen at the end of the year, if you don't have business income coverage, I strongly recommend that coverage. Yeah, and I say that to people, like if you couldn't work, what kind of disability do insurance do you have for yourself? What, what do you have for a rainy day? You know, that's something we're having discussions on now, but fortunately my businesses can run without me. 
So if something happened and I have other investments, so I'm a little bit different situation. And for some of you, you you work a day job. So I get that too. For some of you, your wife has medical insurance. And, you know, if you got sick or hurt, she has other things in place. So again, if you're that owner operator all by yourself, you have nothing else to fall back on. I would highly recommend that you have some type of disability insurance or that type of insurance in place so you get sick or hurt. So we said liability, right? That's fundamentally disability insurance is what you're discussing. The business income, and yes, disability was something I was going to mention, but the business income is something close to the doors of your studio that's covered. Burned to the ground. A hurricane ripped the roof off. Um, any other kind of thing you can think of that shuts the doors of your facility for a period of time. How long can you go with no income? Better to insure it and let the insurance company replace your income. Yeah, we all got hit with that, right? Nobody had COVID insurance, pandemic insurance. So fortunately, we did have the PPP and some other resources. We actually got COVID insurance during the pandemic, as you know. And then, you know, they said it was no good. So some people came at me and said, well, that was overkill. So you didn't even need that. You know, why did you spend that extra money and get COVID insurance, right? So what are your thoughts about that? Actually... I happen to know your situation. You got in on the tail end of the liability coverage for COVID. If somebody had contracted COVID in your studio and made a claim, you would have gotten that lawyer provided to you instead of defending yourself. Um, shortly thereafter, insurance companies put an exclusion in every insurance policy for that. The loss of income for when your doors got closed because of um, state local guidelines on closing, that was never covered and you can't buy right. that. Right, right. Cool. So we talked about liability. We talked about if you're closed for whatever reason, fire, all those different things. What else do you recommend? Absolute must have. Oh, this is really on the rise. We hear about cyber attacks all the time. We hear about ransom. I also happen to know the statistics of ransom on small businesses, that's on the uptick in a big way, were easy targets. We don't have the IT folks to keep us safe. I invest in an offsite IT company, but a lot of folks can't do that. I have a lot more sensitive data because I have people's federal ID numbers, driver's license numbers. I really need to safeguard that. But what every one of you has is credit card data. You swipe those credit cards and you have liability associated with that. Think about the target hit where all of those credit cards were stolen. Under the law, you're subject to fines, and you have to pay those fines to a federal agency, the PCI agency, if that information gets lifted. And you have to provide 12 months of credit monitoring for everyone you've ever swiped a credit card for. 
with cyber liability insurance, the insurance company is going to take care of up to $15,000 of fines for you and up to $15,000 worth of credit monitoring. You can buy higher limits, but for those limits we just talked about, the starting price point is about $89 a year. Why wouldn't you buy it? Good point. If we're working with a CRM system like my studio, you know, it's being ran through WePay, um, they have their security measures in place, correct? Because none of that information stays on my computer. None of it. It's all in the cloud-based. It's cloud-based. It's website-based. So do we have concerns with that? Because that's on them, correct? I'd look at my contract if I were you. Okay. I'd ask them for a certificate of insurance on the cyber liability naming okay. you as the certificate holder. Great. So can I count on you to do that with my studio for us if it hasn't already been done? Absolutely. Cool. See, it's little things like that because I want to put my head down on the pillow at the end of the night and everyone says, well, it doesn't matter. They can still sue you. Da, da, da. I understand that. I understand that. But, you know, I'm 60 years old. Having good medical insurance to me, it's a peace of mind. It just is. You know, when I was younger and money was short, I think between the ages of 18 and, you know, my early 30s, I had no medical insurance. And I didn't care because I was young, but I would not want to be 60 years old with no medical insurance in bed. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So I think just, again, it is a mindset shift and it's important, you know. So before we, we continue that thought, let's see here. Um... Can you be overinsured? And how do you make sure that you maintain that balance of not too little, too much, or just right? How do you know that, Beth? I mean, that's why we have you. I mean, seriously, we moved over to Beth. And, you know, you got to know that people. I didn't just, for the lack of a better word, I didn't just hop in the bed with Beth. It was a long relationship of watching her do what she does, you know, complimenting, seeing each other, conversing, you know, things of that. Till finally me and Letitia had a conversation and we were with another agency and we said, you know what? I, she gets us. She, she, and you know, I really believe you care. And that's why you're not simply selling us. Okay. Here's Monday meeting. Everybody sell this product because we get a commission on it. Right. And that's the problem with fiduciary companies and different companies I've always worked with. They, you know, going to get commissions, sell this fund, sell this product, push this. And that's what I think sometimes we mistaken some of the bigger companies out there, like, you know, New York life or things like that. They're pushing products they get commission on. So that's how they become so big where I really believe you look at us as people, as individuals, and get us what we need versus what you simply want to make a commission on. Absolutely. And I have operated under the belief, if I do the right thing, the right things will happen for me. And I'm leading with the right thing and letting the rest of it take care of itself. Um, too much, too little, just right. I talk about this a lot. I get asked a lot. I'm not ever going to recommend a specific amount of insurance because then I have professional liability if it's wrong. I am going to tell you if I'm concerned you're underinsuring. I'm going to explain to you the potential downsides of underinsuring 
but ultimately it's your decision. And how much is right depends. Property is pretty easy to quantify. You can go in and count how many mats you have and what it costs to replace those mats, how many bags, what your AV system costs new. Um, that's pretty quantifiable. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. In terms of loss of income, business interruption, if you can't operate because of the fire, the hurricane, any of those covered property losses, again, quantifiable. You can take a look at your numbers, know what your gross was, know what your net was for 12 months, and decide how many months you want to insure. Um, where it begins to get how to decide is the liability. And there's several things to think about with the liability. The first is, if you have a kid paralyzed for life who's never gonna work, you couldn't have bought enough insurance regardless. So at that point, it comes down to what is reasonable. Based on the size of your studio, what is reasonable? If you have 100 students, you don't have the kind of income flow, you don't have the assets that somebody with multiple studios and four times as many students in each studio has. So lawyers take a look at how much insurance you have, how severe was the injury, and what should you have insured for? I like to encourage people to insure on liability at least the value of their business. If your business has a value of 500,000, buy the million because it's not much cheaper than the half a million limit. That'll How do you value your company to determine that? Okay, now we're um, going into Letitia's world. There are a lot of ways to value companies. If you were to sell your company, what could you get for it? What's the value of the contracts that you have? If you don't have contracts, what's the value of the goodwill you have with your clientele? Um, in addition to that, what's the value of your assets? That's the typical approach. You get really far down the accounting rabbit hole and there's EBITDA valuations. Right. Earnings before interest taxes and depreciation and amortization. Um, so how you value your business, you have to tell me. Is there a standard formula for that or companies we can hire to come value a martial arts school? Because it's so gray. You know what I mean? Some people say, well, you can't quantify those contracts, right? Sure, we did 117000 in one location. There's no guarantee if somebody buys that, they're going to make 117000 So they'll come in and say, well, your mats are worth this, your mirrors are worth this. This is what it's worth to me. I mean, how do you quantify that somewhat, call it intellectual property for just a comparison, but how do you quantify when you value that? I could tell you exactly how to do that for an insurance agency. I am not an expert on how that would happen in the martial arts world 
So I'm going to ask you, do you see studios being sold? Do studios sell to students? How does that happen? I think for the majority, you know, I, I looked at that data. We have more mom and pop schools than we do. There's no legitimate franchise dominating our industry, such as a McDonald's in the fast food world or, or Kentucky Fried Chicken. There's nothing like that in our industry. So most of the times the sales I see or the opening of more schools happen, you sell it to one of your students, one of your black belts. So that happens quite frequently. And again, I'm not an expert, but is there a formula to doing that or it's just- Yeah, some people use the EBITDA. What is it, three times? whatever your evidence, right? Something of that nature, you know, it really is. I think it's a very, um, I'm going to say esoteric question because it's, it's really, you know, like in my position, I'm 60. I have a, somebody set up to buy my company because he won't lose students. If I don't teach before the pandemic, I wasn't teaching at all. So he is invested heavily. And if I left tomorrow, that school would still make the kind of money it makes now. Right. So, but to take somebody off the street to buy, I don't think they could see the same value. So I think value is in the eye of the beholders, right? Just like you choose a stock and different things. Some of it is very emotional, Beth. It's very emotional. I like Apple. So I buy a lot of Apple. I like it. Not to mention, you know, we know it's an A-rated company, et cetera, et cetera. But so it is emotional. I use Apple products. I like Apple's culture, the whole nine yards. So I think a lot of it is that too. So if you can't pin that down, then you fall back to buy as much as you can afford. Mm -hmm. And the 300,000, the difference in premium between 300,000 and a million is negligible. Negligible. A hundred to $300 a year. That's, smart money in my opinion you get an extra seven hundred thousand dollars of coverage for any one accident for a couple few hundred dollars a year so you even believe for a small high school running 100 students 200 students a million dollar policy for an extra 300 dollars a year is just good business it's smart yes. business yes good. sir Cool. So my question, and this one I wrote last night, how can businesses use insurance products as an investment for future business growth and security? How, how can we leverage that when we'd like, we're going to open a second location? Do we let them know, hey, we've had this type of insurance policy with an umbrella and all these things, which really shows we're a business that that is smart. I mean, how would you put that into a business plan? How could I use that in a social media post with my parents? Would it scare them? Like, what if I said, you know, all of our instructors are fingerprinted. They do, you know, background checks and we have a child molestation insurance policy. Let's say that, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of like, ooh, you know, but how could I leverage that, that I have smart insurance, good insurance to make my clients and everybody feel warm and fuzzy? How, how would you say that and use that? I think... I would turn that just a little bit to these are the steps that we take to make our studio safer. And we take those steps with the assistance of a risk management program and then go through what the risk management program provides. CPR training, first aid training, 
abuse prevention awareness training, concussion awareness and protocol training. Um, gosh, I, I'm thinking about all the different things that I post and write about in terms of managing risk. Um, using proper warm-ups to help people be ready for the more vigorous exercise. So you're laying out all of the things you do to help protect their child or themselves if they're the student. That's your risk management program. That's how you differentiate yourself. Does that, would it prevent us from being able to file a claim if we don't have the certain warm up that risk management recommends or that you recommend, could you say, hey, you can't file that claim? Your warm up was unsafe. It didn't do A, B, C, D. No. So, okay. There are no protocols like that. So that's just an extra layer of safety. And that makes people feel warm and fuzzy that you are thinking of them first. Because, you know, I, I will admit, as you know, I work heavily in curriculum design with people. And that's always at the forefront of my brain, creating the safest environment possible, especially when it comes to sparring, right? In my, and when I grew up, it's like, hey, white belt, sidekick to the ribs on the first night. If he comes back tomorrow, he gets to train. And that's so unsafe. It's just not safe. And it's just not, you know, my black belt test, my dad did a thing where we squeeze each other's esophagus until somebody says uncle. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. I mean, we don't do those things anymore, but I'm amazed the things people still do that I think are wrong, like the gauntlet, whipping somebody with a belt when they earn their 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 belt in BJJ. That's, ooh, that's pretty sexist. When I've seen videos of a woman crawling through the gauntlet, being hit by men with belts, I think you're opening a huge can of worms. Huge. Huge, huge, but the, you know they they always fall back on this is tradition, this is our art, this is the way it's always been. We follow our tradition, and I just look at that. And I don't know if I'd be posting that at social media. I I will talk about tradition for just a minute. I hear about that all the time, and I train where I train started as a traditional karate studio. However, 50 years ago, 30 years ago, we did not have the litigious society we have today. We just did not. You can't drive much of anywhere in America more than a mile without seeing an attorney billboard. They're just looking for something to sue you for. So... We have to change. Yeah, I remember, you know, because you're right. I started martial arts in 1968. And you could get away with anything. And then I remember in California, which, you know, people stereotypically will say, Sue Happy California, this man broke into somebody's house to rob it. And he broke his leg in the process and sued the homeowner and won. And won. And I was going, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get this straight. You break into somebody's house which is against the law and you break your leg and you sue the homeowner and win. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. That's just crazy. Now I believe it's kind of come full circle. You know, people sue for whatever, but I think people are a little more centered on, on that. You know, I don't see a lot of that guy breaks his leg and, and he, you know, sues the homeowner. But when that first happened, I went, wow, things have really gone left. 
They've really gone left. But it, it brought a sense of awareness, needless to say. You know, yep. we've never not ran without insurance. We've always had insurance and we always visited on a yearly basis going, are we up to date? Is there any new policies? And, you know, through this pandemic, I must have bent your ears so many times. Beth, what do you think of this? How about that? Da, 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 da. I think better safe than sorry as the cliche goes. And, and I think it's something we should all be mindful of in that process, right? So here's one for me. You know, right now we do medical siphons for salary people. I want to be a company people want to work for. So I want to get to the point to offer medical. So without, you know, breaking the bank, what is the best way for a small business? Let's say for some of the people starting out there at 150 students, they're ready to keep this guy full time. They want to be a company, you know, people want to work for. They got a safe pension harbor, you know, for a safe harbor pension program. They got vacation we pay. Medical's a big one. How can we set that up without breaking the bank? Dial back to 1980. Um, medical insurance is just out of control with cost. I turned 60 this year. For just me, I'm paying $1,900 a month. Yeah. Just I pay, pay 2000 a month for my family right now. $2,000. And, and it's just me, no family. Um, but I have the best insurance because I had back surgery. I got diagnosed with epilepsy. I use my medical insurance a lot, so I bought the best I could. At the lowest level, I'd be at $1,200 a month. So we're starting from the place of it's obscenely expensive. We'll roll on to, as a business, it is illegal for you to pay for somebody's coverage under the Affordable Care Act. Right. You can give them a raise that they can use to pay the premium, yep. but you can't reimburse them for the premium. Correct. If you buy group health insurance for your team, 70% of your team that's full-time has to take the coverage and you have to pay a minimum of 50% of the premium. I have found most employees don't want to pay any of the premium themselves. Nope, because nope. they're young. A lot of them are young and they see no sense in it. You know, we at least do, you know, most kids are still with their parents' insurance till 24, 20, I think 26. it's 26 now, 26 now. But after that, I want to take care of them. So the ones that once they turn 26, we do a medical siphon. Now, we don't reimburse them. They do what they want. We let them know, hey, this part of your salary, we consider a medical siphon. And we don't have full-time is what, 38 hours now? What, I what believe 35. 35. So we only have two or three people that are doing beyond 35 hours. So we're not really required, but it's attractive, right? Yeah. It's attractive to people to have that. As a company, I want to be a company people want to work for. And it's great to say we have medical benefits. It's great to say that. So how, how can you set that up language-wise that makes sense? Is a medical siphon still the best way to go? And is it case by case the way we're doing it? I mean, is there a better way? There is another alternative. And even the smallest studios can afford this other alternative. There's telehealth options. And they're very affordable. A small business can get telehealth policies for an employee that covers them and their family 
They make no co-payments to, to call, to FaceTime, to have an MD on the other side of the phone, diagnose, prescribe. There's mental health benefits available now, dermatology benefits available now, all wrapped together. And you're looking at, I believe, $20 to $25 a month per employee. But that's telehealth. What happens if I break my leg? You're on your own at that point, but it's better than nothing. Right. So and, they, I, but I mean, that's not attractive. It's better than nothing. And telehealth was really born out of this pandemic more than anything, right? No, sir. I mean, I, 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 yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I've spoke to my doctor on the phone for decades. Um, So I think think it's probably a little more refined now as a system and as, and it's much more acceptable, I should say. Yes. Much more acceptable to call because my wife calls a nurse all the time when my kids have sniffles, you know, and advice nurse, what do you think? Do I bring them in, not bring them in, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. Okay. But moving past that. Your solution is the best solution, the medical siphon. Um, And if you establish tiers of employees, let's suppose you have somebody at 35 hours a week, but they're still a junior instructor, or they're 35 hours a week during summer camp only. Um. At that point, you can make them a different class than you make your head instructors, your enrollment directors, those key people, and you can offer them the medical siphon. Cool. Cool. I dig it all. You know, and and I don't believe ignorance is the reason not to educate yourself. You know, it simply is not. And I spend a lot of time reading and researching. I know because Letitia will hit you up. But what about this? What about this? Because me, I look at everything. I don't get comes. I get a text on my phone. Do you have you know special insurance for this? Tish, is that something new? You know, call up Beth. Do we have this? Do that? I think it is better safe than sorry. I think it's not overkill to educate yourself. I think it's prudent to educate yourself. It's to your advantage to educate yourself through that process. So Beth, I know you post a lot in the disruptors based upon today's show. Can you go back and just kind of summarize and let everybody know, Hey, you guys, okay, here's absolutes. Here's a million dollar, you know, it's only $300 more a year, but here's why you should have a minimum of a million dollars, a minimum. Absolutely. Here's why you should do a risk management uh, extra do CPR classes, do this, this, and this, because if you are in court now, why do I need CPR? Nobody's ever had a heart attack in my school. Never say never. Have someone drop dead on their floor two years ago. Yep. Yep. And, and then I would say, you know, don't think because you don't have, well, I only work with kids. So why do I need CPR? What if that kid just ate a freaking ding dong before he came to class? And it backs up into his windpipe and he starts choking in the middle of class. Who knows? Who knows? I think, again, to run a prudent business, it's a mindset that every school owner needs to have because the challenge is you are a martial artist. You become a martial arts instructor. And unfortunately for many people, that's where it stops. They 
inherit their instructor's business, they open a business, but they're not a business owner. They don't think like a business owner. They don't think like an insurance person. They don't educate themselves. They stop at martial arts school owner, as martial arts instructor. Do you agree? And so if you can share that stuff with us in the disruptor group, in a way, I mean, honestly, for myself, you know, like the yellow books, right? Dummies 101 for insurance. Give us to it, you know, as me, Jane, you, Tarzan. And I don't mean to insult us. I just think they might be a little more inspired if it's not filled with the thou art the, you know, state code says, da, 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 right? I try we, not to do that. I yeah, try, try to stay away from fear-based, right? Yeah. Somebody dropped dead two years ago. That's a fact. Never happens to me. Yeah, but what would that look like? You know, to be able to go to bed every night and know that you have the best insurance for your situation, right? I mean, that's important. We had that, right? I said, okay, great. You know, it's it's only, I don't know, $1,500 for this mirror. And so $1,000 deductible. File a claim or not file a claim? Should people be afraid to file claims? Because we're all concerned our premium is going to be driven up. Is there any kind of metrics in place that, you know, if you file more than three claims a year, you know, your insurance is going to go up. What is the metric for that? And how do we, as, as just a parting, how do we know when to file and when not to? I'm going to say first, and this is not self-serving, having someone you can trust to ask, whether you do business with me or not, private message me, ask me, I'll give you my opinion. Insurance companies look at severity and frequency. How severe is the claim? How often are you filing? Um, actually, severe claims are more apt to be overlooked than frequency mm-hmm. because those are considered the reason you buy insurance. Mm-hmm. Frequency claims either come from nickel and diming or lack of maintenance. Um, or lack of safety protocols. Having said that, I absolutely encourage you file that mirror claim, especially if the two mirrors on either side need to be replaced because they break while you take the one out. But can I do this? I know. Is this wrong to say, okay, let's wait to file the claim until they remove that mirror? Because what if they remove it safely and the adjacent mirrors don't break? You can absolutely wait to file the claim. You could also file the claim and then withdraw it if you wanted to after the one mirror came out safely. So my, my process was prudent. I took pictures. I sent it to you. I, did I send you the video too? I don't know if yes. I sent you the video. I yes. sent you the picture. I sent you the video and I asked you, what should I do here? Yes. 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 And, and, and that's the peace of mind, you guys. You know, I couldn't get mad at the kid. It was an accident. No. It was a total accident. It's part of doing business. But I honestly can tell you, I went right to Beth. I messaged her at Facebook because Letitia, who normally does that, was out of town and she was busy. So, you know, I want to take action. I want to feel like instead of the whole weekend could have went by, right? And I was frustrated and overwhelmed and this sucked. And then I was going on vacation on top of it. So to be able to reach out to Beth and just say, hey, Beth, you know, what's the best course of action, right? I felt good about that. And, and I think, again, you know me, I'm huge on relationships. Yes. Anybody can sell you insurance, but who's going to take care of you, 
right? This isn't a sales fest for Beth. That's not why I brought her here. What I hope you see today is one, the value of insurance. Two, more importantly, the value of the person that you choose to work with. And I think for me, that's that's really important. And after being with one insurance company for the better part of two decades, we had no challenge moving, zero challenge moving. Because again, I'm a very patient person. I watch Beth. I watch what she contributes to the industry. I hear the information. I read it. Then I go do my research and compare it to the latest information. And especially through this pandemic, when we weighed out COVID insurance, I took what Beth said. Then, of course, I Googled it and looked 50 different articles to come back around to, okay, Beth's advice is sound. But unless you do that type of due diligence in anything that you do, I do it with my lawyer. I even do it with my own sister, who's a bookkeeper. I will go out and research after because I want to make sure that I don't just take information based upon face value. But through that, the more and more I do that homework, I come, I think, oh, Beth is on point. Letitia's on point. You need to do that. You need to shift your mindset, people. And if you can do that, I think you will be more confident in the relationships you enter to if you take ownership and accountability for your part in that relationship. Right. Because I mean, how many people just go, okay, my accountant takes care of all of it. Next, you know, you're broke. Oh, yeah, my insurance person's got this. That's that doesn't make sense either to me. So, parting words, Beth, what do you want to leave us with? I am honored by the trust you place in me, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Beth. You guys, she's at the disruptor. Reach out to Beth. You know, any insurance questions you have, make sure that you do that. Cool. All right, everybody, thank you, Beth, so much for being here. Um, I appreciate you very much, man. Thank you, sir. All right, you guys. So with that said, let's let's just, you know, sit on this for a moment and think about that. I really, 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 really want you to be mindful of insurance. I think it's something we don't pay attention to enough. Um, I, I'm appalled and I'm, I'm afraid for school owners that run around with no insurance or the bare bones insurance, because I know we think insurance is this God awful thing, but I keep hearing that million dollar, million dollar, million dollar. If it's only extra 300 bucks a year, could we manage that? I think so. Should we create a risk management game plan in our school, CPR, things like that? Yeah. You know, we have a defibrillator. That wasn't cheap. But the fact that it's there and you basically open up this thing and it, it talks to you and tells you what to do is better than nothing. The fact that both our locations are within four blocks of the fire station and ambulance was not by coincidence. I thought about those things. You want location, 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 and you want to look at the things as a whole, right? So again, I hope you walk away. Yeah, thank you, Jason. It was a great episode, right? Super, super cool. And, and it's one I'm, I'm really grateful to offer you. I want to do more of this. You know, um, if you recommend, if you have a school owner, somebody you want to share with me to have on my show, I'm more than welcome to do that. You know, what's important to me is people don't come onto my show and sell their stuff. And I've been caught in that too. I bring a guest onto the show. We get into the show and everything's like, blah, 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 buy this for me. Blah, 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 you need this for me. That turns me off completely. As you saw, Beth came on here, just offered you sound advice. And I say that all the time, whether you work with me or another consultant, you should think of these things. I think that's prudent because what that says is we respect you as a person. We respect you as a school owner. Anytime somebody comes at you, I'm the expert. 
That's what you pay me for. Hey, that's degrading. That's humiliating. And I, as an entrepreneur and a small business owner, I want to be educated. I don't want you to keep me in the dark, which is fear-based, so that I feel like I need to pay you. I rely upon you. Without you, I can't succeed. That is wrong. And I believe that fear-based type of sales mentality that exists in a lot of industries is one that I'm not in line with. It's not in line with my core values. So I hope you did get a lot out of today's show. Super, super powerful. So as I wrap this thing up, I'm going to tell you, get signed up for It's Time Live Believe, right? It's powerful. There's only 12 spots left. We're doing it during the summer, which is going to allow us a lot more fun and outdoor stuff, which is something I'm really, really excited about. Just scan, scan that QR code, get signed up. Please, anyone that's ever been there for four days, it is life-changing, it is powerful, and it's something you deserve. You deserve it. You deserve it because you are your best investment. Make no mistake, you are your best investment. I can't say that enough. Hey, thank you to Beth Block for being here today. Thank you to my sponsors, my studio, Market Muscles, LC Accounting, and Kids Love Life Skills. I'm going to have to process this, folk. I hope you had a good time like I did. I really enjoyed today's show. You know, I love to be educated. I love learning because through learning and experience, I can turn it into knowledge. And that wisdom is really what gives me the confidence to wake up every day and face the many, many challenges that we all face as small business owners. And if we can educate ourselves at that level, then I think we're 10 steps ahead of the game. Cool? All right. Hey. I'm Brandon Beliso. This has been Success Never Sleeps. Until we all get together again, what are you going to go out there and do? Live your best life.